Good evening and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight we've got Dave Hilda Pryor, Gavin Sheetham. Ricky Hyatt and I should be adding my six penneth as well. So sit back and enjoy, have a cup of tea or a drink and let's have some decent football banter for a change. And good evening everybody and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell Yeah, it's that time of the week again, it's our second pod of the week And that voice that you can hear in the background was Mr Adrian Hopper How you doing AD? Uh, Alright, been, been racing today mate at Salisbury and it was lovely The weather was really nice up there And uh, I had two winners so that was okay Excellent, excellent. More money for the Three Valleys radio pot. Absolutely. Uh, Gav Cheatham joins us this evening. How are you doing, Gav? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, I was at Royal Ascot on Saturday. One place, one third, one sixth in the 28th field and one joint. Anybody who backs 28, 30 runner fields is a mug. And welcome to the racing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that Gav's Wi-Fi does... Uh, stick with us for the whole 60 minutes because I don't know about you but I just saw him moving his mouth and no yeah. <laughs> no audio <laughs> came out yeah. so I'm hoping that that um, will be better for, for him as the uh, as the podcast progresses but uh, I'll come back to you in a minute Gab because Rick Hyatt is also here, how you doing Rick? I'm, I'm, I'm alright, thank you uh, despite watching a pitiful bowling performance today but never mind, tomorrow's another day so that's racing and cricket. the cricket covered. So uh, let's get on to the football then. Um, Rick, I'll stick, I'll, I'll stick with you because uh, you may have seen that Yeovil officially started their pre-season. And um, I'm going to pick on you first, purely for the fact that on Monday you said about the excitement um, mm -hmm. that's currently within you now with all the changes and everything happening at the club. Yeah. And, um, and now that pre-season is, is right here, right now, um, we're, we're that one step closer, aren't we? Yeah, it's it's a reality, isn't it? When you see uh, players turning up and uh, training and uh, seeing that contraction on uh, Alex Fisher's leg. Did you see that on Twitter? He's out doing a bit of jogging and he's, and he's got some sort of uh, cage around his leg. It's so. amazing, isn't it? Because when you yeah. have somebody that has that kind of injury, I don't know, you don't always expect them to still be wearing something of quite significant this far on from when yeah, I first had it. Medical science has moved on from when I was breaking bones by the looks of it. The old magic sponge. Yay. Bit of plaster. You'll be all right. Well, look what it's done for you, Rick. What? Medical science. Well, yeah, just recently. Yeah, thank you very much, medical science. Um, yeah, I don't think... Uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be playing for Yeovil yet this season, but, um, yeah, it's good to be here, nonetheless. 
Well, on behalf of everyone on the NHS, I can say you're very welcome, Rick. <laughs> Thank you. God bless the NHS. Um, Sorted me out good and proper. Gav, I'll come to you if you can hear me okay. I think you, your image has gone a little bit stiff there, so hopefully that you can hear me. But this is normally the time of season where we see pictures of the Oval Squad running around up at West Bay. I wonder if Gav might switch his um, picture. Maybe <laughs> do you want to take that one? Because like I say, it's first day of pre-season and you've spoken to Reese Murphy over the summer who has been telling you just how insignificant he sees it. Oh yeah, definitely. And and I can remember times going down with the camera to uh, to West Bay and Burton Bradstock and all round uh, down there and seeing them, seeing them training. And my God, they you know is that it, a bit of a tradition, aid the old I think it, West Bay Well, shop? I don't know. It certainly was in my day that they, they used to go down there. I don't know if it's still uh, on the manager's sort of traditional list, but certainly, um, yeah, you know, it, and it really was. It was because uh, there's some quite good uh, long hikes and then of course at the end of it all they'd all go diving into the sea which was quite interesting to watch <laughs> so um so i'm sure they enjoyed, uh, you know enjoyed that anyway and and, and you know reese was saying that as far as he's concerned he thinks that a, a, a good uninterrupted pre-season is absolutely vital to having a good season so let's hope that's exactly what he's going to get yeah absolutely and i'm assuming um, from your point of view, when the players were at West Bay, were you were you by the uh, fish and chip or ice cream stand at that point, or was it too well, earlier in the morning when they did their running? It was a little bit early in the morning, but we did eventually make it to the fish and chip. Uh, so, so yeah, definitely. Yeah, but, when in West Bay, when yeah, in West Bay. Yeah. Um, I don't. I just want to check in with you, boys. Are you still seeing what I'm seeing, which is a very still Gav Cheatham, yeah. or he's been concentrating for the last five minutes? He's concentrating very hard. It's very still. <laughs> I'll um, hopefully be able to bring Gav, Gav in a little bit later. But I want to move on. So moving on away from Yeovil, but still very much connected. Um, Rick, I'm going to come to you just because there's not really anybody left here at this rate. <laughs> you, know, you know how to make someone feel special, don't you? Yeah. you Sheer desperation. You, you know I love you. Um, yeah. but it has been announced. I've got a um, a statement here that I'll just read out to you. And it's by York City Football Club. Here we go. Um, and that they can confirm that following a transfer of shares um, from their previous owner, uh, 394 Sports Limited have acquired a 51% majority stake in the club. And if you're wondering who that is, that is a newly formed ownership group which has been led oh. by the Ugler family with mother and son duo of Julianne and Matthew. Matt, as obviously we know him here at Yeovil. Uh, assuming the roles of co-chair of York City Football Club pending FA approval. Uh, quite a few things to pick out here, really, Brick. The first yeah. one is obviously the name of their group, which they've called themselves 394 Sports Limited, because presumably they couldn't call themselves SU Glovers, could they? And, no, um, that wouldn't have gone down well, would it? Really? And it goes on. Uh, in full detail, obviously you can find it on the York City um, social pages, but there's no mention of uh, Mr. Paul Sackey either. Um, nope. We'll get into the nitty gritty of it, but just first of all, what's your first initial thoughts on this news? Um, it's difficult to say because uh, although Matt, when he was at, involved with Yeovil, was promising an awful lot, you can only judge it by results and speaking to people and things that happened and basically apart from the financial aspect i think he 
they were putting money into the club. It just seems to have been a more of a negative experience than than anything else. I mean, you don't want to uh, slander the chap, uh, but um, yeah, I think uh, it's also turned out well for everybody, shall we say? Um, Aidy, is this news to you, or did you see this news that broke earlier today? Well, no, because as I told you, I've been racing all day today. Um, <clears throat> I'm just catching up with it now. I mean, I think the first thing that strikes me is that it, at least it does give Matt Ugler and, and his, his family, I guess, some credibility, because there were very often uh, suggestions were voiced that, that maybe, um, what shall we say, that, that uh, his, his activities weren't quite as as uh, genuine as everybody thought they were but but clearly they were because he was obviously trying to buy a football club and now he has ended up buying york city or buying part of it so you know i think from that point of view it does give him a bit of a credibility back it's it's a difficult one rick how i see it because i feel kind of torn and that's because uh-huh. look at how young he is and he's obviously like ad says he, he's been trying to get a football club for some time that you can learn from his mistakes and if he can get going and have the right intentions then obviously that's what we want to see because we don't want to see another football club go down the pan but also on the flip side i don't know if we're at a point that as a i don't know maybe as a fan fans of yeovil town it's up to us to point out to york city supporters to say that Look, it might not be all that that seems. Do you see what I mean? How do you? Yeah, do you there's see been a, it? there's been a few back and forths on on Twitter to that effect actually this afternoon since the news was announced, and basically the York City fans' response seems to be uh, enjoy life in National League South. Mm. So uh, I, you know, hopefully Matt's learned from the experiences at Yeovil and will stay off Twitter and out of the changing room. That would probably be the best take he could have from his experience at Yeovil. Gav, can you hear us? Yes, I can. What a bloody good start, my friend. <laughs> the worst, the latest position and the worst position. Didn't even get to say hello. You probably um, have just caught a drift of what we're, we've been saying, which is obviously the... Um, well, I was going to say the SU Glovers, but the 394 Sports Limited that have acquired a 51% stake in York. Just what's your thoughts on it, just as I asked you that question and you look to have frozen? Disappeared again. <laughs> uh, OK, uh, we'll move We'll move on. This is going to make a really good recording for the listeners uh, this evening. Dave, moving on a, a, a little bit... Um... I, I just wonder whether uh, are the full details of this new company uh, have they been published in in so much as who else is involved if if anybody um I'm not sure to be honest mate at the moment it that the uh, statement does go on to say about how uh, uh, Matt and his mum will formally be appointed as club direction follow uh, club directors following completion of the required FA and national league processes um but that does concern me because that does sound like that there's another pre-announcement to the confirmation of them taking over. And that was exactly the issue with what <laughs> yeah. happened at Yeovil, Rick. Well, yeah. you'd think he would have learned his lesson from that perspective, wouldn't well, you? You'd hope so, wouldn't you? Because it, it did look a bit of a mess. But having, of- having said that, Rick, we don't know what pressure he was under to actually make those of sort of decisions. We, he might have been under intense pressure from 
outside, shall we say. But then, again, you, you can understand it to an extent because we've just, the last few, uh, since Martin's taken over the club, we've been going on about how nice it is to be released from the way things were before and whatever. So I can understand that they, they may have been a bit premature announcing their uh, total buyout or whatever first time around, simply because everybody was desperate for some good news. Yeah, and at quite, that point, quite. At that point, you know when... Uh, uh, club sack managers and they go for a, a new manager bounce. At that stage of the season, it was no means cut and dried that Yeovil were going to get relegated. So I think the, the thinking possibly could have been just the fact, you know, raise the spirits around the place and lift the morale and, and get a bit men get the hopefully the could have pulled, pulled away from uh, relegation. But obviously that didn't happen. No. Hello? Gav, do you just want to say something? Because if I ask you a question, you're going to cut off by the time that I've asked it. This has got to go down as the most professional. Your internet connection is unstable, it says here. Oh. Well, Quickly then, Gav, get on with it. What have you got to say? Yeah, York City's new ownership. Thoughts? Speak. Yeah, well... um. He said he wanted to be closer to his daughter in for after he didn't go through. And, um, Another North club. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Couldn't get much further away from. So what I can say is, um, before I lose my internet connection again, is uh, stand by your bed, Yate Town, because football teams beginning with Y, uh, Yate Town, I think you're next. Um, we, were, we, were just saying, we were just saying, Gab, do you think that as a supporter of Yeovil, we almost have a duty of care, for want of a better term, to sort of point out to York City fans what things might be like? Or do we have to say that they're young enough that they might, you know, it, things could change? Yeah, well, you know, York are, York are in the league above us, aren't they? You know, they, they've all got businessmen on their board. I see the two directors are staying on the board. And, um, you know, they're all, we're all grown-ups there. They should know what, what's happening. And it, like uh, Rick alluded to, it might just be he got excited at the prospects of owning a football club when he was us and took to Twitter for the first time and then got overexcited. And then, you know, had his, like, where he was listing players that he was after and Mark Cooper was linked with was a bit sort of... Um, but there was a lot of talk on socials earlier today about how they're expecting Callum Harriet to be their first signing, for instance. <laughs> They've already signed someone, haven't they? From um, I think it's two now. Yeah, Castro, someone from Sheffield Wednesday, I think, you know, okay. on the 5th of July. So they're, you know, already like King Castro, Matt Aglo, I've seen tweeted with like a... Well, that's what that's what that's what can entice the fans, isn't it? That regardless of what they think of the ownership might be, that if you if you turn up, take over a club, and you've already got nice shiny new signings for you, suddenly it kind of almost pulls the walls wall over the eyes, doesn't it? Yeah, and we don't know, you know, like he made like we all do in life. He made mistakes when he went to run the football club. Yeah, well, who's to say he won't? You know, he won't make the same mistakes at York, and uh, and it proves to be it's a success. And we don't know what. You know, this is where we could have done with Adam on the pod because he obviously works for York, doesn't he, for home games. So we don't know what the fans thought of the um, the previous owners that he, they've taken a major shareholding off of. So um, We were just saying, Gab, as well, that it's quite interesting on the statement as you read further down that it says um, that they will formally be appointed following completion of the required FA 
um, requirements. Yeah. So it sounds like there's another pre-announcement to the announcement. Why not which wait the... until? Yeah, why not wait until it's actually sorted before announcing something? Because you just look of... silly. On top of that, Rick, as well, it does actually say that a statement direct from Matt says the new owners would like to put on record their thanks to supporters. So they are, are calling themselves the owners this time, not stewards or any other name that you mm -hmm. want to put towards it. So that's interesting. And then, then, then it'd be the first four home league games are uh, £10 for adults. So getting free. Kids for a quid. <laughs> yeah. But it's difficult from a, from a Yeovil perspective. We're better off as a football club, as whatever, supporters. Keep our noses out because it's just going to inevitably look like yeah, sour. Look, of course, we're in, a, we're in a really good place um, under Martin Hellier. There's no doubt yeah. about it. I'm just, I don't know, I just think it's just worth saying because, hey, like, like you've touched on it, it could well be good, very good intentions and stuff this time. But we've yeah. seen so many football clubs fall by the wayside. At the end of the day, we're all football fans. And the last thing yeah. we want to see is a very good club yeah. in someone like York City going down the wrong way right yeah just yeah. hopefully you know he gets everything right and hopefully they have a, a great time and good luck to them all let them, let them crack on and no, and no mention of poor saki i noticed in the york statement so that's interesting i think there's well, no, the, the fewer mentions of of that name anywhere are probably better for all concerned aren't they don't know if he's mentioned uh sort of sort of on the segue from this i don't think he's mentioned uh earlier when i or on monday's pod but have you seen the news that um Another non-league club have been taken over by some very um, famous clientele, a uh, AFC Croydon. Have you seen yeah. that? Yeah, uh, so we've, um, it was announced after the pod, so it is on my it is on my list. But seeing as you just mentioned it now, Gav, do you want to take it? Because I'm yeah, assuming so you're talking um, about Stormzy and Louis Stormzy. Zaha. Um, Louis Zaha? Louis, Louis um, Zaha. Wilfred, Wilfred Zaha. Zaha. Wilfred Zaha. God, I've gone away, Adrian Hopper there. I apologise. Some development player to do with Crystal Palace, I think. So they. So if you don't know, listeners, the news is that uh, AFC Croydon, who are in the ninth tier, have been taken over by uh, and are going to be freeway owned by Stormzy the rapper and um, Wilfred Saha, who's obviously still an active... Uh, is he out of contact with Palace? I'm not sure if he is, but he is still currently... Very soon. He's supposed to be going to a Saudi, isn't he? So possibly on his way, but currently still as we speak. Really well, that'll fund the football club if he ends up at Saudi. Yeah, yeah. so that was interesting, you know. So I don't know what you guys thought, whether that's like a... But they're a, they're a long way down the pyramid, aren't they? Ninth yeah, ninth tier. tier. Yeah. But if you remember last season, or was it the season before, Peter Crouch was temporarily a director at Dulwich, who have just been relegated from the league. Yeovil are going to find themselves in next um, in August, aren't they? The uh, National League South. So um, it's... You never know, do you, if these uh, famous sports stars and celebrities, how long they're going to hang around. Seems to be getting more popular, Rick, this kind of thing, considering that we're in an age of, you know, like state ownerships and things. But there is also this celebrity element that does sometimes work as well. Is that something that you welcome? I think so. We had a conversation with Josh about this towards the back end of the season. If the whole um, Premier League, the, the the major players that are involved in that now, states owning clubs and whatever, perhaps your, your common or garden football fan is going to feel more and more alienated by the elite clubs, if you like, and grassroots football might actually benefit from it. So it's a way of, of getting in at that level because they're never going to be, you know, the, the six billion 
competing with six billion pound offers like uh, Sir Jim's made for, for United. So, you know, getting at a, a lower level where you, actually you'll get more for your money. So it's, it's not a bad it's not a bad thing at all. If it means if that's the difference between clubs going bust and keeping going, then uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Well, I guess the cynical Wrexham, angle, Aid. Go on, Aid. Sorry, Aid. I was just yeah, going to say, say when you look at Wrexham, um, yeah. you know the, the two guys at Wrexham. But you see now that they've they've joined up with some other uh, hedge funds, I think they are or something, and bought a quarter of the Alpine uh, Formula One uh, setup. So they've obviously got very big ambitions and big ideas for not just football, but they're moving on to Formula One now as well. Yeah, yeah I think they've definitely seen a market that of, of sport generally to try and obviously um, works hand in hand, isn't it? Because I guess I if you've already what... got a celebrity status, you can kind of, your own brand is being made more worldwide than it possibly was before. I wonder before. what the reps and fans thought of that though, when they were, you know, buying a stake in this Formula One team, whether they thought, Ooh, you know, they should be putting all their coffers, you know, for their hobbies, if you like, to want of a better word, into into the football club. So I don't know. But won't it be different for them next season? There's more financial regulations to comply with in the Football League than are in the National League. They virtually could sign League One players and play them in the National League and there were no financial restrictions to it. I think financial fair play might come into it a bit more. And hasn't their first game already been picked for Sky or their Caribou Cup game? What a surprise! They're like the darlings of Sky, like League to be. Worldwide, they are basically Wales football club, aren't they? If people have got an interest, they will probably be within a not a very long period of time. I'm not getting away from Stormzy, but with the Rex deal, because of the profile of the owners, if you ask anyone in America to name 10 English footballs, I know they're Welsh, but ones that play within the British. English pyramid. <laughs> British, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, Wrexham will probably now, from out of nowhere, all of a sudden, because of the raise of their they will probably be one of the most well-known football clubs in different places, different parts of the world. So it's, it's amazing what the pre- profile of them pre-season tour over in the States next month. And isn't it Chelsea, United, yeah. Wrexham? And then, uh, well, I was going to touch on that teams. because, I mean, that's going to, you know, bring it in huge stadiums. I mean... We've spoken about how, you know, Hollywood owners are, are doing it the right, you know, the right way, quote unquote, compared to, say, state ownerships and things. But, Aid, just back to Stormzy and Zaha deal, this just makes me think it, it's good for a club, particularly, like I say, with Croydon being the ninth tier. But if you're a just to say that they're not just shut loads of money at it, which is what we've been criticising people in the Premier League doing just to try and get them through the leagues very, very quickly. So is there still a kind of a moral implication from everybody else just being left behind because they've got celebrity owners and now they're possibly just going to throw money towards getting towards the Football League? Well, yeah, possibly. But I suppose you, you, you could look at it like this. I mean, first of all, I presume that there are still a certain amount of financial restrictions in whichever leagues that they're playing in at the moment. Uh, they might not be as intense or as... as far-reaching as they are, uh, you know, in, in the National League and, and obviously the Football League. Um, but it's going to take... Might be the pace, it might be the pace that, like the Premier League, you're allowed to break 115 of them before anyone takes any notice. Well, that's a very good point, actually, yeah. But um, 
but presumably um, you've taken my complete trade away there. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but it's going to take time, isn't it? Because they, they can only do it one oh, year yeah, at a time. So, I mean, if they were going to sort of do a, do a, a Wrexham or whatever, it's going to take them a few years before they get to that point. And the who's to that, say though, that the trend might not change by, during that time? They might get fed up with it. They might want their money yeah, back and, or something. And also, you look at what happened to the most recent example of that, of like fast-tracking a team up through the leagues, was Salford. Yeah. And they hit a ceiling after a couple of promotions with what might be considered an unfair advantage or whatever. They've hit a ceiling. Wrexham, it doesn't mean that the Wrexham situation, that they're going to go with the Premier League. They might get stuck in League League One for four or five years, depending on, on you know, how, it, how it's structured and whatever. And the same might happen with these other clubs. There's yeah. no guarantee that they're going to go It's you know, important, the though, Rick, with those examples that the class of 92 that you're referring to with... Um, Salford, that if they do have five years stuck at League Two, for instance, that they don't walk away because if they've done all that and then they find that they're stuck and then leave, then that possibly, yeah, okay, they've left them in a much better position to where they were before. That part of is the flip side of the argument. If you get stuck and then you just leave, then just we'll deal with that and we'll go on to something else you make a deal with the devil and uh, you take the consequences don't you it's uh, yeah. just enjoy the ride while you can or a well, deal with uh, the dragon yeah I was is now. Gary, there Gary we Neville's go uh, nice segue go on Gav take it because yeah, Gary Neville took his article already at Salford he's more interested in um, inventions and stuff after joining Dragon's Den next year well he did take a step back because he was very much involved in the forefront of the first few promotions and I think the last two couple of seasons, he has actually, he's just a shareholder now. He's actively not involved like he was before. That's, the same, with, that's the same with a lot of them, isn't it, Rick? Haven't a few of them taken a step back? There's not many left so. now, is there? Almost for the very reason that we were talking about, you know, to make the club more sustainable in its own right. They've all taken a, a bit of a, a, not a backward step or lost interest in it, but they're not as active within it as they were previously. Mm. Phil, Phil Neville's going to walk through the door in there in a managerial position not too long from now, isn't he? Well, he's been so successful everywhere else. <laughs> Hasn't he joined... Um, didn't he join... Was it Canada's? Canada's coaching team, yeah. Yeah, right, straight after he got sat by Bex. Yeah, and in his first game, they lost 2-0 in the Nations League final in the American version uh, to the USA. Comcast, Comcast, is it? <laughs> um, just going on to what you were touching on, though... Um, Aid, you like we were just touching on. You've seen, probably seen that Gary Neville is going to dab his hand in the um, Dragons Den game. Yeah. I think they have, um, I think they have guest dragons in the new series. So I don't know if he's necessarily going to be on it for very long or just a couple of episodes of the season. I got uh, the impression it was a permanent move, but I might be wrong. Reading but, it, um, how, how how do you see this? Because he did in his statement that he in like investing pretty much like even when he was during his playing career, because he's always the type of guy that's looked beyond his career. But do you see that as a good like, fit for him, I suppose? Well, I suppose for him, of course it is. I mean, he's a successful businessman as it is. He's got a, uh, a share of a hotel, which is, which is uh, quite successful. Because I guess, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean he has to invest in anything, does it? He can, he can no. still get the exposure for being on the show. But then he's doing these um, podcasts as well, or... or television series or whatever these podcasts well, this one 
yeah. But you know what I mean. Um, so yeah. and that's proven very successful. And no doubt, I would imagine he will come on to um, uh, Dragon's Den and be equally successful. I mean, you know, obviously I've got a soft spot for him because he's ex-United. And, and, you know, I think he's quite, he's got his head screwed on. He might, I might not totally agree with his political uh, affiliations, but at the end of the day, that's his choice. Yeah, so we'll definitely watch that with interest. I think they said that it's not going to be aired until next year. I think they said. So Any it'll be... brief in the room that Abramian's going to be need a chairman of Salford? Yeah, in a huge change, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be interesting to see who Gary spins his chair around for. No, that's the wrong one, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll be interested to see what his uh, catchphrase will be, because obviously they all say I'm out, don't they? But, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if, or if he was in or out when it comes to the referendum, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's another story. But um, we're around about half an hour into the show, which is pretty good, uh, considering that most of the other topics that I've got on the uh, billing tonight are transfers, because we are sort of getting to the, uh, no, not quite the business end, but we spoke on Monday about a couple of things that have just got a little bit more legs to them now. And I want to start... Rick, I'll start with you because we spoke a little bit about it briefly offline earlier this afternoon of Harry Kane in this Bayern Munich bid because we were all, I think we were pretty unanimous in our thoughts that Kane probably will stay in this country because he's got his eye on the um, Alan Shearer's record. But according to The Athletic over the last couple of days, he's not necessarily as enthused by that as maybe we thought and trophies is very much on the forefront and it seems as though that first signals are that he might actually be quite keen on a move to buy and if they can actually agree a deal with Daniel Levy which is another question in yourself but does, does that surprise you at all that bit of information yeah because I, th I thought Harry Kane was very much of uh, the mindset that he wanted Shearer's record but there's nothing to say that he can't play a couple of years over there come back and and still break it but uh, if he wants silverware then, um, as I said to you earlier today, I think I could play for Bayern Munich next season and still pick up a few pots because they're that dominant within their own league. So it's, it's guaranteed silverware, isn't it? So he gets uh, he gets to feel it gets to have the experience of what it feels like to actually win something, which is, shall we say, highly unlikely to happen whilst he's at Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. Ada, 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 is it? Ada, no, Ada, I'll ask you the same question because I was saying to Rick earlier that if you want to leave Tottenham to absolutely guarantee trophies, I think really, rightly or wrongly, you can only really say that there's Paris, Manchester City, Bayern, and Madrid where you'd be guaranteed. Any anywhere else is a maybe maybe situation. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment, really. Um, I, I thought that I'd read somewhere very, very recently that he had already expressed his desire that he wanted to go to United, but so that suddenly seems to have been lost in translation or whatever. I don't know, but I'm, I'm you know, I mean, I suppose he knows Tommy Tuchel, so presumably, um, you know, although he didn't play for him, I'm sure he must know the guy socially. So there might be some sort of... Uh, pull there I don't know I'm, I'm surprised though nonetheless because you know he's got a young family they go to school kids going to school wife English everything you know everything's English isn't it and 
you know, no wonder people were sort of assuming that he would he would go to United, but maybe he's just about to sort of uh, throw a, a spanner in the works. But at the end of the day, if Mr Levy doesn't want to play ball, it doesn't matter what's going to happen until the end of his contract, does it? Well, no, no, it's, it's exactly that. Gav, would you be, if you were Harry Kane right now and Daniel Levy did accept an offer from Bayern, would you take it? Yeah, I, I think I would. Yeah, just a new challenge because he knows. He Get knows. away from the family for a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's only German, isn't it? So you probably take him with him. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think he, you know, it, it's 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 all about Carrie's personal ambitions, isn't it? Does he like want to break Shearer's record, or you know, does he want to do he want to win things? And like Rick said, highly unlikely at Spurs, you know. He's got close with England a few times. It's the difference here, um, Gav, that if he did go to somewhere like Bayern, yes, he would win a Bundesliga and people might think, hmm, but what does really winning a Bundesliga mean in this day and age? You know, you could go to a Celtic and win trophies. But I guess the difference is that you might go further in Europe. Yeah, because you've got, you know, a lot of the main leagues, you've got the two in Scotland, haven't you? You've got, you have, others in Germany but the main two are Dortmund and Bayern. Dortmund came very close to breaking the monopoly of Bayern didn't they but they threw it away on the last day of the season Spain, Madrid and Madrid and um, Real Madrid sorry and Barcelona and occasionally you get an Atletico or uh, Villarreal come through but yeah so like I say it's all to do with um, it's all to do with Harry really and what his personal ambitions are and if he wants to uh break Shearer's record and then go or go now and like you say it all depends on I read somewhere that the open I think it's on that Guardian online that the the, the opening bid was about 60 million plus add-ons was what Bayern had offered but Spurs were looking at closer to the 100 million mark so um, they're some way off in their valuation at the moment I wonder if he's thinking that by going to by going to Bayern sorry Rick um, that in in a couple of years it could lead to a move to Real Madrid it could do. I mean, you would imagine that by then a Madrid would probably like to think that they've got an Mbappe or Ireland. Is that mm. fair to say, Rick? Yeah. Yeah, he would they're... be getting on a bit, wouldn't he, by then? I, I accept that, but, you know, just make sure... I just, I, just, I just think Daniel Levy, is the penny might have dropped reading, uh, not reading type of publication, more leaning towards Gav's type of uh, publication. Maybe it seems like the penny's dropped a little bit with Daniel Levy, that going to walk out of the place at the end of next season regardless he's going to leave Spurs and it's a case of uh, minimising your losses maximising your asset while you actually get something for it but going to Bayern I just had a thought what it's a little bit, you know when you can for people's birthdays you buy them experiences like an F1 experience where they get to drive around in a Formula 1 car or you get a, a balloon experience it's like Harry Kane's bought a winning a trophy with a football team experience and that's what he's going to do for the next it's like a lucky competition winner he's going to actually not realize what it feels like for everyone else that that wins things so you can take someone with him (laughs) (laughs) so well he doesn't work very well without him does he so uh that will possibly be be someone who was I've, i've got a few names that i would uh Happily let him let him take most of them that wear a red shirt on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Well, that's a maritime wreck. Half the half the Premiership play red. This is true. <laughs> but when I have to mention the the the, the team. 
but I'm probably thinking. Just, just talking of Daniel Levy, what do we think take this year for him to turn around and accept it? Are we saying that it has to be a hundred at least for Daniel to accept? I won't get a hundred. I was. I think it's somewhere in the middle of the sixty that Bayern have initially mm. given, and then like you want somewhere around because, like Rick says, twelve months time he could walk away. Right, thanks everyone. I'm I think the comparison was that I think Eden Hazard when he left Chelsea had only twelve months left to go on his contract, and he that left for well, well yeah, quite. Like, but I think well, he did yeah. leave for between 80 and 100 or something, even with 12 months left on his deal. So there's a precedent there, what I'm saying. And you Levy will definitely look at it that way. Do you know what Levy ought to do? He ought to have a word with Pat, get Man City to put a bid in with absolutely no intention of buying him, just to raise the money that uh, Bayern have to uh, bid in order to get it, because there'll be a bidding war. Before, uh, you like a nice segue, Rick. So uh, do you want to just touch upon what you, what you mean there? Because I do actually have a little bit of breaking news, according to The Athletic, which is that Arsenal have now agreed a £105 million deal for Declan Rice. But, Rick, what you were alluding to, we spoke about it earlier on, yeah. about how Manchester City suddenly entered the race, but then decided to pull out of it, which seemed a little bit odd from one perspective because they would have known from the start that they would have had to have looked upwards of 100 million to get him anyway. So yep. pulling out when they did could only lead to one thing and you're pretty sure you know why. Yeah, the same thing that they did with Harry Maguire at United, Ronaldo at United, Jaden Sancho, they've done it before. And uh, the I've turned into Adrian and I've gone a blank on a on a foreign player's name, the left-back from Brighton to Chelsea. with the Cucurella. Cucurella. They did the same thing with him as well. They get involved. Forces a club. Oh, City have got unlimited funds. They can afford to pay it. We better up our deal to get it done quickly. And Bob's your uncle. The price has gone up. So, do you, think, so do you think that's done so that they then have less money to spend elsewhere? Is that... Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. And also you see... I'm again, just trying to think what the end game is. Well, City have been linked with a young central midfield player uh, who's got a release clause of about £25 million and will happily play uh, second fiddle to Rodri for the rest of us for the foreseeable time. But then again, of course, as Adrian pointed out the other the other week, they have got Kevin Phillips. And he's, he's been there for a while now. He might get a game. Kevin Phillips has, because he's about 50. You mean Carl? Not, no, but the, Adrian, Adrian assured us that Kevin Phillips <laughs> had been signed by Manchester City. <laughs> it, uh, oh, that's why he left South Shields. I thought he was going to get another vote. It was, by all accounts. <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of the player himself, um, Aid, if he's going to go anywhere, are you happy that it is Arsenal and not Manchester City? Um, yeah, I suppose <laughs> I am, really. Um, you know, there was do you no... rate him? Do I rate him? Yeah, I think he's a good player. Yeah, mm. I'd like to have seen him in in a red shirt, but um, not a red and white shirt, if you like. I was going to say, well, Arsenal, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not a red and white shirt. Um, so you know, certainly, I, I think he's a, he's a good player. Um, and again, you've got the family instinct. He's a Londoner, wants to stay in London. So I think it was inevitable if he was going to go anywhere, it was going to be Arsenal. Um, 105 million quid and then there'll be add-ons as well is that is that just the way of the world now so you can't really look into the price as yeah, such 
I think it is. You know, I mean, it goes all the way back to uh, Brian Clough and Trevor Francis, doesn't it? At the end of the day, once we broke that million pound barrier, it was always going to start going up and going up and going up. And it went up very quickly in those days, if you remember. Um, who was the guy from um, oh, Wolves, Manchester? He went to Manchester City. Um, Steve Daly. Daly. Yeah. Daly, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, inevitable, the price are going to keep going up, and um, they will, you know. I mean, who'd have thought a couple of years ago that we'd be talking £100 million for a footballer? I mean, we wouldn't, would we? We would never think, oh, I'm not going to go that high. But it does. Each year, we, it, we, it get, you know, the record gets broken. So, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, he's, he's a good player. He, uh, whether it's going to make the difference to Arsenal, though, I mean, I think that everybody's sort of thinking that because Arsenal signed him, that they're going to suddenly become as good as Manchester City and win the league. I'm not too sure about that. I think that might take a, a, a slightly different route, but we'll see. But no, but it will definitely, definitely make him stronger, won't it? Oh, it's yeah, bad to make him stronger, but, you know, change doesn't necessarily mean success, does it? You know. But then from Rice's point of view, the way I've, I've read it being sold to him is at City, he'd obviously be second fiddle to... Rodri, he'd have to fit into their system. Do you whatever. think he would, though? Because I feel like that he would... I think he's a good I know they've played Kovacic, but they probably just play him together somehow. Yeah, yeah. But Arsenal have sold him the thing that they're going to build their midfield around him. And it's a project, for the, a project as we like to say. In and it's captain material. Absolutely, 100%. So when Odegaard's at the hairdressers or whatever, then um, they'll... Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to I see. I thought Rice. you were going to say when he retires. I was thinking they're probably the same age, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, possibly. But, but of course, Arsenal are going to uh, to need a midfield because they're looking to move one of theirs with a possibly checkered off-field reputation, looking to move him on. So there is a space in their uh, in their side for him. So, so do you think this said individual might have got away with it then? I think this said individual might be looking to get out of the country pretty sharpish. Yeah. So, yeah. Not quite a party. Uh, moving on. <laughs> but, well, just sticking with, with Arsenal then, because it does look like that they're going to agree a deal with Timber, um, right back or centre back. Done, oh, well, yeah, potentially done. Same with the Havertz deal as well. Um, the Havertz one's interesting because Chelsea obviously paid a lot of money for him because he was very well sought after and for good reason. Um, I think particularly because during the COVID, um, with all that happening as well, that Bundesliga was the only thing that you could watch, that people could see how good he was. Um, didn't quite work out, but then at the same time, he did win the Champions League and scored the winning goal, etc. So there's been, there's been moments in there and he's still young enough to be one of those players that could actually do something. But I think he might be one of those players, Rick, that has fallen into the trap of, of how systems have moved on because you've got a player that sort of is that kind of roaming player, not really a striker, not really a midfielder, but nobody really seems to play that way anymore. No, that's what that was what I was going to say. There's, he, name me Kai Havertz's best position. And there's talk of him playing. It seems that we've all gone Dutch and we now refer to positions uh, by their numbers now. There is talk of him being like a an effective number eight on the side of them. Midfield, three, yeah, three. So perhaps um, Mister seeing uh, a possibility that he can fit him into I'm not the sure system. Disi- you'd need to be disciplined, wouldn't you, to sort of play that role? He's rather... like me as a bit of a luxury player. You mm. know, you've got a if you can beat a team three 0 he's a sort of 
fella he'll be in your in your team and you might he's going to end up he's going to end up playing when jesus doesn't isn't he and they'll get rid of enketia yeah that'll be the way inevitably as much as they want to try and nail him down a, a first team starting position of his own he's going to be because he can he can do that job that's that's inevitably what he'll end up doing for, for 50% of the season i would have thought AD, do you Oops. think Arsenal were spending their money wisely here? With what do you, what do you make of um, Havertz in particular? Do you think he's one of those that kind of could go either way? Chelsea obviously happy to let him go. Well, I think the way I look at it is um, when uh, Mikel Arteta became the manager of Arsenal, uh, I wasn't that impressed. Um, the fact that he'd worked with Pep, I suppose, was a, was a definite plus from his perspective. But I still didn't think that he was going to do particularly well. Now, as it turned out, he did far better than I expected him to. Um, so uh, I guess I've got to change my opinion of him. But um, I think it's a, it's a crucial season for Arsenal because if they don't follow up, uh, especially having spent all this money, um, his job's going to be on the line. So I think he's going to be under an awful lot of pressure to not just you know play as well as he did last season, but to do better than that. And time will tell whether that'll happen or not. Do you think the fans will be a bit more forgiving though? Because normally these days, it's it, you know it's the fans more than anything that sort of get managers to sack because they'll be the ones that voice their concerns and then put pressure on the board to make a decision. But as you've just touched on, there is moments I think in sort of year two where there is talk about whether Arteta was the man and he nearly got forced out by the fans, but they stuck with him and then they've always. Obviously, reaped the well. They've not reaped the awards, but they've reaped the rewards in terms of how they've uh, progressed, in terms of where they are in in the table now. That potentially he's got a little bit of money in the bank with supporters, if as long as they don't fall out the top. Well, that might well be the case, but it's still pressure, isn't it? As supporters, oh, yeah. supporters want wins. They don't want anything else. That all they want to see is the team win. Um, you know, I, I know that the, the purists amongst us want to see the team win, playing attractive football. But at the end of the day, supporters want wins. So the pressure is very much on him and his team to perform. Now he's got a good squad now. I mean, he's you know you, you'd have to say what he's brought in plus what he had last season. He's got a very good squad. So to all intents and purposes, everything points to them doing better. But time will tell. They've got Champions League football as well to contend with yeah. next season that they didn't have last season. So I'll be surprised if they have a, anything resembling a title challenge, to be honest. I think they do well to, to be in the Champions League the following season. Do you think, Rick, as well, that um, it, it seems to me maybe it kind of comes with the social media age now when the fact that there's much more exposure to football, punditry, etc. But... I'm pretty sure in the early noughties, we never used to have conversations about, oh, but so-and-so's in the Champions League, so they're not going to do well in the league next year or something. It seems to be very much new conversation. But I yeah. don't know if it actually means anything. It's it's like, um, do you remember when uh, England had a midfield that had David Batty in it? And people at the end of the day would say, oh, David Batty was man of the match. Because it made them look like they knew a bit more about football. Forget the bloke who scored a hat-trick, but this person was so intrigued. Controlled the midfield, yeah. I can see things that the ordinary supporter can't see, so I'll say that he's he's the uh, main man. And I think it's a little bit of that, you know. It's, it's They've heard the 
people at the top of the game saying that, usually used up as an excuse. And now people seem to think that, that you know, that is uh, a valid sort of bit of knowledge that they've now got. Whereas back in the good old days, you just want to win the next match. And that it's was, like, it's uh, like Europa League, isn't it? Set. Like, Gav, unfortunately, we've got that to contend with this season. But, it, but no one used to say, oh, Thursday, Sunday, that's going to ruin your season. Yeah, I would just, when you started saying that about Champions League Day, I was thinking exactly the same. Like, they go, oh, it's relentless, Thursday, Sunday. It's no different to playing Tuesday or Wednesday. All right, Sunday. you might have to Champions eat at different times and things like that, because I think they talk about that with 12.30 kickoffs, that obviously there's more nutrition side of things now and, and that sort of thing. But That's other than that, like, it's still the same rest. Yeah. Like there's, you know, games used to be Saturday and the midweek. You never used to see them play Tuesday. It was always Wednesday, 7.30 kickoff. That was it. And then they gradually introduced, you know, with the invention of Sky and that, the games. And now you have games, you know, even like on the Thursday, you know, you never used to have Friday night football, did you? You never used to have, Thursday games, and now now you do, and I just think the squads are big enough. The players are used to games being moved for TV, and um, um, for whatever reason, so I don't think it really makes that much difference. To be perfectly honest, what do you think, Ad? Do you think just we're in an age now that we just love a moan and we just like something to think of a reason to why our football team might not be as good, and sort of get our excuses out before the football's even happened? Well, obviously, being an old fart, I don't tend to get involved very much in social media. Um, certainly when it comes to putting down... Uh... But the punditry has definitely changed to that way. Oh, yeah, the punditry, think. definitely. But but in terms of the social media, for me personally, um, I don't really get involved in it that much, so it doesn't, doesn't matter. But it has changed. Of course it has. And I think that's down to Sky at the end of the day. You go back to, to you know the start of the Sky regime because football as a whole has changed tremendously, hasn't it? You could think back... A, I don't know how many how many years has Sky been going now. Fair so few, 99, it? was it nineteen ninety two when? Well, was that when it, football was invented? Yeah, 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 exactly. So it, you know, it's, it's it it is a it's a different game altogether, um, and and you know, the fact that social media has become so powerful and that that you know supporters can, um, you know, create uh, situations happening, although. They seem to be trying really hard to get the Glazers to move and nothing's happened there yet, um, which makes you wonder, you know, but um, how, just how important is social media? I don't know. Do we overestimate it or not? I don't know. I just think it's another form of communicate because uh, look at, you know, footballing podcasts around, around the globe. There's thousands of them, isn't there? And then, you know, it just used to be, you know, you talk about your mates at work or down the pub or at the in the pub before the game when, uh, when you see him out in the streets and talking to your neighbour over the garden fence. But now you've got, you know, now you've got just more exposure to it, haven't you? You've still got your papers and your online papers and then you've got your social media. Everyone's got a mobile phone. Everyone's on their phones. And it's just... We live, we live, we live in a very um, analytical uh, age as well. We were obsessed with data. I mean, you only need to look at the stats that come up now on Sky Sports, where you know we've got things like XG and how many touches there were in the final third, how many minutes the ball's been in play. Like, it's getting, isn't it? Like yeah. before too long, we'll be we'll be in a podcast three years time, and we'll be saying things like, "Oh, Rick, Liverpool keep the." I'm all man I do. Oh, you like it, it's just a pointless debate. Saw, that's already happened this season, hasn't it? The whole Newcastle 
Newcastle had the ball in play less time than any other team in the Premier League yeah. last season. Why do I know that? Why do I need to know that? Yeah, they were having, the, the opposing manager, I can't remember which team it was, was having a go at Eddie Howe for being like boring, didn't it? And like not keeping well, he'd the ball have to get play. through Jason Tindall first. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but again, talking of Newcastle, by social media, come on, Ed. Hilda, talking of Newcastle, we, we've been talking about Arsenal and and their uh, ability to maybe keep up the same pressure that they have this season. What about Newcastle? What do you boys think? Do you think Newcastle are going to do it again next season and get into the Champion League spots? Because they're not exactly throwing the money around when it comes to buying Before players. we answer this question, don't say what we've literally just said, which is, well, Newcastle got Champions League to contend with now, yeah. so that will make things a little bit more difficult for them. Yeah. Um, I think they're not going away because... You know, they're, they're now in a position where they've got the European football and their money and sort of thing is only going to get stronger. It's not going to get it's not going to get weaker. So it's up to kind of teams like a Manchester United, Liverpool and Chelsea to really be more consistent and get our acts together to to kind of try and knock them out, really, because I think the other teams... Arsenal is a little bit different, I guess, but as we've just said, they're they're building something, or at least it looks like it, to something that's a bit more sustainable year on year. That we have to kind of, I think we're always, um, w- as a society now, we're always worried about the other teams rather than actually looking at what our strengths of their own team are. And I think you kind of just have to concentrate on on what you can do. I think that when Newcastle got taken over, everyone was thinking, oh, they're going to be buying Mbappe, Messi. You know, Neymar, they're going to be buying those sort of Galacticos, if you like, superstars. But and they still I think might. it's gradual. And it, yeah, exactly. But I think it's gradual. It's like, let's get in the champ, let's buy the players we need to get to the next level, get in the Champions League, and then, and then sustain ourselves in the top four and continuously re qualify for the Champions League. And then maybe in three or four years, a real serious tilt for the title and get them players in increments, not throw everything at it and bring them all in you know in the first or second window gradually build up to the level that they I'm sure their owners and of course the fans and everyone connected with Newcastle this is what's so frustrating Aid linking it back to your question because if you actually look at it in terms of those teams competing against each other it's a really exciting league still with the Premier League but unfortunately everybody is still going to be behind Manchester City as it is and that bit is just going to stay the same Well you say that but, but everybody's assuming that Manchester City are going to carry on at the same rate they are now and in all probability they will but it's not a, it's, it's, they've got to still do it, they've got to go out there and, and be you know, beating everybody in sight as they have been this season so having had a few changes, alright some might be good, some might not be so good, I mean losing Gundogan is, is, I think, is a, is a major blow to them, but no doubt they'll try and find somebody else to replace him. But you just never know, do you? We're, we're all assuming that City are going to do it again next season, but but that's the that's the wonder and the joy. Well, of listen, football. Don't, don't get me you... don't get me wrong, eh? I, I bloody hope you're right. Of course yeah, I do. Yeah, it just just worries me. <laughs> well, it worries uh, us I... all. But at the end of the day, you don't know until the game starts, and that is the joy of football: is that it's so you just never know how it's all going to end up. I said a few pods ago, the acid test for City are come when Pep leaves. It'd be the same as when Fergie mm. left United. You know, mm. the next person is 
maybe not always the players. It's, but that's know, when... also the annoying thing, Gab, because you know, as, as a support of the kind of you know a team of the rest, you're literally just waiting for that to happen and then to try and seize on an opportunity. I mean, like take the view that the Premier League is crap because of the Manchester City situation because I think there is still other games there's things at the bottom end of the table there's your, there's stuff that's still exciting yeah. and it's not like it's just that the... when it gets to that it's like the race at the end of last season you knew that Arsenal were going to fall away and you knew that City were going to pip yeah. them but at least it's not, it's not the same teams like we talked earlier about the you know the top two in Scotland Germany and um, Spain you know there's you know, Leicester won it a few years ago, didn't they? You know, Liverpool won it and then we're pushed pretty close for two seasons. And then Arsenal come from that sort of light pack. And then obviously um, United themselves and Chelsea have won it. So it's We've got a good it. variety of runners-up, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they haven't won every year. I'm standing more and more like Rick every day when it comes to being cynical on this podcast. I've been hanging around too much uh, with you too much. Well, that is my job. <laughs> It's good to hear you talking, Sam. <laughs> We've only got a couple minutes um, left, if that. So I just want to touch on a couple of managerial uh, positions, just taking it away from um, transfers, because Roy Hodgson has agreed a contract extension, and the year is 2023. And who's to say that he won't be wheeled out again in 10 years' time when Crystal Palace are holding on for their um, Premier League survival? But also another... Um, manager that's been around the clock shall we say is uh, Neil Warnock who signed another extension with Huddersfield Town as well so Aid, I'll start with you two managers that have managed to hold on to you know top level jobs considering that there's a lot of managerial positions that are sort of going further field yeah um well first of all uh Roy Hodgson been there done it and worn the t-shirt hasn't he really I mean he's he's managed so many different clubs and his country as well um Neil Warnock is is a real countries as well in Roy's case yeah yeah Neil Warnock on the other hand is is a real character he doesn't sort of aspire to do uh international managers I don't think I think I'm right in saying that has he ever been an international no don't think don't think so um but he's a character um he seems to have the effect of of turning it a little bit like Sam Allardyce has had got the reputation for being uh, you know the relegation expert so um yeah I, I, I'm not surprised I mean there will come a point sooner or later where they're going to say well I'm 79 now or 81 or whatever you know um I think perhaps I'm gonna have to stop now but at the moment they clearly think that they're good enough to keep going and obviously their employees think they're good enough to keep going so they keep going well, having to stop now will be us on this podcast because it does look like that we're just about out of time. So, um, you're right, it is. Gav, Gav, I'll come to you because your connection in the end was pretty solid. So, thank you very much for joining us, and hopefully, we yeah. can have you again next time. Yeah, I'll look forward to uh, listening back to the pod as I always do and seeing what I miss. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ricky, thank you very much again, mate. Oh, always a pleasure. And it's, it's nice to hear you joining the dark side. <laughs> and it's a good night for me, Hilda, as well. A.D. Hopper. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And just for our listeners, we have been having some slight problems with the internet. So uh, apologies if it spoils your entertainment. Um, but it's not a lot we can do about it, unfortunately. So thank you for listening to Football Bloody Hell. And my voice is gone. Oh.